0: Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Hey, pants, we have a problem. What is it? Somehow you overbooked the nose. You've got four panelists and there's only three seats. Mm, so we bump somebody. Let's read down the list. Uh, Kinky Friedman. Uh, no, that way too big of a star. Melanie Cantaya. Mm, she'll probably make it about race. Rebecca Castellani. She's probably gonna start screaming. This is like The Handmaid's Tale or something. W- uh, what's that? It's this book she read. She reads books like all the time. It's weird. That leaves Jim Chapdelaine. Yeah, that's the one. Bump him. Uh, But people love Jim Chapdelaine. Okay, he's an aging rock star. Who's he going to complain to? Country Joe and Fish? I don't know who that is. Exactly. This seems so heartless. Even the Nazis didn't bump people. The Nazis totally bumped people. The Nazis did, like, every bad thing. Why are people suddenly saying they didn't? Okay, let's go get him. Okay, Grandpa, we need that seat. Hey, what are you doing? I have to be here. I'm
2: mixing a Rita Wilson concert today and she needs me.
1: Tell somebody who cares. Grab him. Ah! Uh, oh, ow, ow! Ow! Is that yeah, the that, yeah. yeah. that you, can't. Ow, ow, can, you can I get some ginger ale? Don't resist, Jim. Ow, it just makes you bleed ow. out faster.
2: Country Joe and the fish are going to hear about this. You
1: were right. Of course I was right. Let's put him in the green room next to Matt Damon. It's time for the nose. And now, last seen rifling through Dr. Dow's Carry On for Prescription Meds, Colin McEnroe.
3: Actually, I've started an alt uh, rock band called Dr. Dow's Carry On. Um, So, uh, yeah, we just had to do that, obviously, and we will be talking about that. But first of all, let me tell you who we are talking with. It's, you know, we do consider all the people who come on the nose to be celebrities, but there's celebrities and then there's celebrities. And we have some celebrities here today. They're in town. They wanted to do the nose with us. How could we possibly say no? I'm very excited to have with us Kinky Friedman, singer, songwriter, novelist, humorist, politician, ran for governor of Texas one time, not too long after W was governor, I believe, Your slogan was, how hard could it be? (laughs) Um, And Rebecca Castellani, she's that person who reads uh, all those books. She's a scholar of modern literature. And she is part of uh, making the whole Kinky Friedman thing happen uh, tonight and tomorrow night at Bridge Street Live in Collinsville. Uh, That's where Kinky is going to be performing for the next two nights. Uh, And you can get tickets for that, by the way, at 41bridgestreet.com. And so, and so, Rebecca's part of that. She's part of the uh, Collinsville entertainment industry, um, which is legendary, of course. And then Melanie Kentaya, you may have just heard us mention Melanie Kentaya. Who is Melanie Kentaya? She's the mom who started a social (laughs) media revolt against the surging
2: price of (laughs) EpiPens. Melanie (laughs) Kentaya is an actress who lives in Brooklyn, New York.
4: She has appeared in the hit HBO (laughs) HBO series (laughs) *The Night of* and played a doctor in the
1: CBS series Limitless.
3: Her people just showed up with that clip. They said, look, you, you, you have to play it or she's not coming out. Uh, no, that's actually that. Uh, she was on Inside Edition. Um, actually, this is from, that was from Inside Edition. That she,
4: was from Inside Edition. You were
3: spotted canoodling with Harry Styles. And yeah. And they just did a whole feature about it. Um, um,
4: the funny thing is they had called my agent, and I, I was just like, you know, Ricky, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so he told him she's not going to do it, and they clip that all together themselves. They they right. put that all together themselves. <laughs> yeah, without me. That's what they do. Yeah.
3: Um, all right. So I mean, obviously, this is a pretty picked over and talked over topic. It's happened on Sunday night. It's been uh, part of the news conversation for days and days. So it's not really like our favorite thing to do on the notice is to talk about something that people have already been talking about. But there's something unescapable about this story. There's something unescapable about the story of Dr. Dow and his United Airlines flight. I don't even think I really have to set this up for you. Most people know about this. This man who was bumped and he refused to leave his seat. Um, and somehow or other, this story is still going. Um, and and I, I wonder why that is. You know, Kinky, one thought that I had is, there are a lot of stories in the news where we can't imagine ourselves as participants in the story. I, we can't imagine that. I mean, there's like, for example, just to take a grim example, there was a horrible killing in San Bernardino almost uh, at the same time as this United story broke. But we can't imagine that happening to us. Somehow we can imagine, we can imagine being the guy sitting in the, in the plane and having somebody want us to get out of our seat and something horrible happening, right? If you can put yourself in the person's shoes, it's a more interesting story.
2: Yeah, well, why why it's happening it is because we have a cultural ADD, and and we uh, a song or a movie or anything will only stick around while it's trending. I know nothing about anything to do with the internet or, or the anything uh, technological. I I have a typewriter, and and the E key is going out, <laughs> and and that's the problem. I'm trying to finish this. This deal, there's a biography of the Kingster coming out in November by uh, uh, Mary Lou Sullivan of Connecticut, Mm. and um, she did a book on Johnny Winter. So just uh, not to get away from this guy for a minute, but Mm. I just um, so they asked me, would I write the the uh, introduction? Mm. And. uh, Like uh, any self-absorbed, can we say the uh, word it, can we blink anything, or well, uh, I, I, we can't? We, right? we, we own right, a right, dump right, button, right, but right, we try right, not to use it. Like <laughs> any self-absorbed a-hole, you know, you I go. I um, agreed to I jumped at the chance to write the introduction to my own biography. Why am I talking? Oh, because of the E key. So the E key finally went out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and when that happens in America, you throw the whole damn typewriter away. If you know what a typewriter is, that is, uh, <laughs> you have to throw it out and. Uh, I like to say that, um, at least I'm uh, grateful that I'm, I'm not E.E. E. Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as this guy is concerned, he's, um, he's, not, he's still trending, apparently. Right. Yeah. As long as it's trending, I mean, what a sick system. Can't we just look at a situation like this? We're fascinated by this guy. I'm interested because United Airlines has spent millions on their publicity and friendly skies and whatever the hell they do. And here this comes along and you get a real glimpse at who they really are, maybe. Uh, Maybe the mask fell a little bit here.
3: Right, Um, and I think Rebecca, you and Melanie had similar reactions that It's not just that we can imagine ourselves in this situation, but this world suddenly looks familiar, right? It somehow or other matches, something that we think is happening, that the world isn't as nice right now.
0: Well, the image of him being dragged against his will, trying to fit him down that little aisle, and he's not quite fitting seamlessly, seemed to me a bit like a metaphor for politics in the U.S. right now. I mean, here's someone that purchased his his ticket he did everything right and yet he's still coming up against an authority figure that's telling him actually no this is the way it's going to be whether you come quietly or kicking and screaming or whether we have to drug you or bash your face and this is how it's going to be so yeah I do feel like this story is stayed in the the group think consciousness of the world because it does sort of have this metaphorical quality to it to sort of sum up the state of the world right now, which is not super. <laughs> yeah, right.
4: it actually reminded me of that scene in Incorporated, which I think was canceled, but it was actually pretty good. This is a show on the sci-fi. Network? Yeah, yeah, and and someone had some sort of illegal tech, but he had actually done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. and so he's being drugged. And it, it, it's like reminiscent of like you know, yeah, dystopian nightmare television <laughs> show. Uh, <That> it's real, <laughs> and right. Whereas you know the you know here is a person who's an individual who supposedly would have a right to. To get a product that he had purchased, mm-hmm. um, yeah. he had purchased a product with certain expectations, and that uh, the corporate interest and that some another person was deemed more important than him. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he had to succumb to like the corporation. I think that's that's sort of the dynamic that I feel like echoes with people right yeah. now. Um, from the EpiPen thing, from I feel like public policy itself is not for us anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, and I feel whether it's a visceral feeling or it's actually people going and saying, hey, there needs to be public policy where they can't oversell the tickets. On some level, people are perceiving that it is, you know, corporations are people now, but then we're feeling like the actual people aren't people anymore, just the corporations. And so... And so I think that's I think that's part of what's playing out here. And like you said, you can't getting shot randomly, although it could happen, doesn't feel as um, intimate and real to our everyday experience. Right. It's just not something that. we yeah. see every day.
3: And I mean, to that point, I, I do think that not that things like this happen all the time and have always happened all the time. But actually, one thing I suggested to Kinky, uh, it turns out he hasn't played it in a while, so he's not going to do it when he gets around to singing. Remember the name, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you have a song called "We We Refuse the Right," we reserve the right to refuse service to you, you know. Which and it's that's not a new song; it's an old song for you, and and it's about this phenomenon in a way, you know, that that all through. History: People have been treated shabbily in various retail contexts and worship contexts. The difference is everybody except you has a camera uh, right now. I mean, the difference is now you you see things that you didn't used to see.
2: Well, there's another factor here. The guy's a doctor, um, and uh, I have a series of rapid fire, a montage of rapid fire medical jokes <laughs> that come from my shrink, <laughs> Willie Nelson, and. Uh, Every joke Willie now tells begins with, guy goes to a doctor and, okay. So, I think, it, I think that's, maybe we could try one or two of them out real quick. Uh, An <laughs> example would be, guy goes to a doctor, yeah. and uh, the doctor says, I got bad news for you, you've got AIDS, and you've got Alzheimer's. And the guy says, uh, well, at least I don't have, have uh, AIDS.
3: <laughs> okay. I actually but have heard phone. that one before. <laughs> and uh, the
2: second one is a guy goes to a doctor, and the doctor says, Got bad news for you. You got six months to live. The guy takes out a gun and shoots the doctor right there in his office.
3: They gave him 20 years. Uh, All right. So doctor jokes from uh, Willie Nelson. But, you know, one of the things that that I I was thinking watching this. Okay, so you see this horrible spectacle unfold. And here's this man, this doctor, and he's he's bleeding from the mouth. He's being dragged out. And and you do hear this chorus of disapproval and distress from these people. You know, what are you doing? Look what you're doing. Look at this poor man. Um, and and the people who are doing this are some form of police officer, so it's not necessarily something where you could. I just start, I was started wondering what are your moral obligations? Yeah,
1: somebody asked,
2: somebody should have said let's roll. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 yeah, I think I
3: think so. Yeah. What?
2: Come on, this is wrong. It's like the Everybody's bystander on.
0: effect. Everybody can take out their phones and snap pictures, but who is the person standing up out of their seat and saying wait a second? Like this is wrong. That nobody did that. It's it's. But there's only the so much Genovese. power
4: you would have <laughs> as a passenger. Like you're doing the one thing you have the power to do i as a diminutive person of color am not going to challenge a law uh, an officer of the law in any way shape or form and so um
2: no it's precisely like a tiny only thing you can do do is to do something or not is Mm -hmm. to witness it
4: to document it in and in some ways that fear of being taped we should hope or should kind of make people behave better. It doesn't seem to be working out that way. No. <laughs> well, well, I, I don't know. I
3: think that is the case. I think people do, in in some cases... Behave better because they know they're either about to be taped or they see the phone there or they understand that. I mean, there's also just sort of a, a blindness about that that builds up in people too. And right. I also think when people get into the you know what Caesar Milan the doctrine or calls the red zone, yeah. something shuts off. You know that thing saying oh somebody might be filming you with their phone right now. That voice does not get heard anymore. I think a lot see. of times yeah. the
0: phone can really make things worse too because the second you know somebody's being belligerent, and then you take out the phone and adds in that additional element of belligerence. Well, you better stop filming me. That you know right. It, it, have seen that. Yeah, you see that a lot with you know road yeah. rage incidents where someone starts filming the person that's attacking them, yeah. and they get in increasingly infuriated with the presence of the phone. So, and
4: actually, the ACLU has an app where you can. If you're taping mm-hmm. and someone demands your phone, you can shake the phone oh, and wow. it would alim- immediately it send your tape to, to the, the ACLU. Oh, that's to the ACLU. That's in it's I want to really. get that. Out. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, and you know, Melanie, I was going to ask you too. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, this is a very different thing. You became a crusader for uh, epipens and for not, for uh, against price gouging. Right. Of Quite EpiPens. accidentally. Yeah. Quite accidentally. But I'm picking up the New York Times one morning, and there you are on page one. I'm going. <laughs> That, that, i know her <laughs> i've seen my significant other look look i know her um and and then yeah so and then inside edition is making up a montage and i don't know what else happened but i mean so you became although you're not unfamous you became famous in a really different way i don't was would you have any advice for the dow family did you experience enough out yeah. of that so that yeah
4: i would at first i was uh indiscriminate at who i spoke to uh um, i think canadian television and when I, immediately the tweets and the contacts, contacting my agent came out and, you know, talk to who you want to and and trust who you'll trust I, after after a couple days because they're going to write the story anyway and they're always going to c- quote the primary source and they're going to write the kind of story they want with the kind of narrative they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mom got mentioned in like almost every single article, like I could throw my daughter into a vat of peanuts with eggs and shellfish, and she would emerge unscathed. She's allergic to nothing. Um, This was just, I just thought the price gouging was wrong. And so... And your
3: your husband's allergic. He
4: has a swelling condition. We were traveling, and so out of an abundance of caution, because we're gonna be like in the mountains, just the two of us, for our anniversary in California, Mm. and on a plane, the doctor said, oh, you know, I'm gonna prescribe an EpiPen for you. It's in the box, still with a rapper. He hasn't even done the testy thing. And My we paid five. Yeah, and we paid $5. Right. As we paid a $5 copay. Yeah. Whereas a friend of mine here in Connecticut, you know, was paying $600. And so that's kind of our discussion right. is what inspired it. Right. And um, Kinky,
3: by the way, has a song called I Have a Swelling Condition, but I'm kind of right. hoping <laughs> that he will not play that song.
4: <laughs> and I think, uh, and so. People, but it was a convenient narrative to be like, you know, the terms of endearment mom yeah. out there. And so people will paint their own narrative. So it's, I think it's important Mm-hmm. To ju- just talk, yeah, I talked to the Connecticut Mirror and the New York Times and just called it a day. <laughs> all right.
3: Uh, if, do you have an EpiPen with you? If any of I us, do not. Right, no. You okay. don't have an after all that. I don't have any
4: kind I of feel condition. Like we send you a bunch of that <laughs> for being their new ambassador. I felt so safe they, with they you were coming in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: Kinky, it is kind of getting maybe time for you to sing us a song, but not. I have a swelling condition. <laughs> uh, although, there might be something I there.
4: Like. Worst first state lines.
3: Okay. <laughs> well, a <laughs> Kiki, Kiki Freeman is putting on his guitar right now. Yeah, all
2: right. yeah this happened, Colin. This is one, um, one, <laughs> one night I'm at the ranch at 3 o'clock in the morning, and the phone is ringing, and it, it is Willie Nelson, who has become my shrink pretty much. <laughs> and um, he, um, he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm watching Matlock. <laughs> and he said... Well, that's a sure sign of depression. Mm-hmm. He said, turn off Matlock, turn it off and start writing, Kinky, start writing. And I hadn't written a song in 40 years. So I wrote 12 songs, kind of inspired by Willie. And um, one of them I'm gonna play for you now. And, and then I called Willie back. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just a few months ago, calling back. I said, how you doing, Willie? And he says, a little up, a little down, you know, the usual. And then he said, by the way, Kinky, What channel is Matlock on? (laughs) Uh, So here's the first of the Matlock collection. And uh, this is a a true incident that involved me. It's called uh, Jesus in Pajamas. (laughs) Jesus in Pajamas came at 316 one morning to a Denny's by the freeway in the ancient town of Dallas, where everything Was frozen. There are many Dannys in Dallas, but few of them were chosen for Jesus in pajamas to finally have arisen. Jesus in pajamas came a shuffling to my table. Help me if you can, a voice said. Help him if you're able, like a clown, like an angel, like a jester in Denny's palace. Couldn't say for sure. I only knew that it was Dallas, where the only whole heart is a broken one, and the only true love an unspoken one. So help him. If you can, help him if you're able When Jesus in pajamas is standing at your table Jesus in pajamas had a coupon he was tearing He was drooling slightly on the, on the tattered clothing he was wearing From underneath that dirty green knit cap, God's eyes were softly staring. Help me if you can, they said, help me if you're able. But I turned my mortal gaze away and I got up from that table. I walked out past the door that just said, man. I left Jesus in pajamas on the cross again. And now the only whole heart is an aching one, and the only true love, a forsaken one. So help him if you can, help him if you're able, help him if you can. And God bless you, friend, the menu's in your
3: hand. Jinky Friedman. No longer, I give no longer writing in the key of E. He doesn't have one anymore. All right. We have to uh, take a break. Uh, we'll come back after this. All right. We are back. Happy Good Friday. You just heard a very interesting kind of Good Friday-appropriate song from Kinky Friedman. He's here with us in the studio as part of The Nose today. He'll also be at Bridge Street Live in Collinsville tonight and tomorrow night. You can get tickets at 41bridgestreet.com. Also with us, uh, this is so exciting. We have all these celebrities um, doing uh, The Nose today. Uh, Melanie Kantaya is an actor, humorist, and author uh, of actor, writer, whatever essays on my rise to the top of the bottom of the entertainment industry uh and her most recent credits include hbo's the night of which rebecca and i both love a lot and marvel's the defenders streaming this summer on netflix are you like a, a marvel superhero now or? no no
4: no and i can't i signed a non-disclosure okay. so i don't, can't say oh. we don't want to know too much it's it's not a big role yeah. um
3: there are no small roles
4: but uh it is it is with a a, a, a star of Quite some stature. Ah. You know, just uh, so you
3: can't even say that. Like I it? Can't, you can't say anything. You know,
4: the funny thing is, all the fan sites—they all yeah. know. Right. They all know exactly what's happening, but you know, they're not legally hmm. bound not to say anything,
3: so we well, can't. Re- Rebecca and I were both <laughs> big fans of the night of, and I, I did think the entire time, and I. So I'll tie this back to Kiki's song. That, that John Turturro was a Jesus figure. There, there was something very Christ-like about yeah. this guy. He's, you know, he first of all, he's the suffering. He's suffering. The suffering, he's suffering yeah. terribly and he's walking around in this kind of overcoat that almost looks like some kind of raiment from the Bible or something and he's <coughs> you know, trying to fix other people. He's but a he, bit he, of a social leper. Yeah, social leper. Yeah. Totally, he's a, really a social leper. So, yeah. yeah. Whether um, he wants
4: to or not. Right. He just feels compelled to, yeah.
3: Uh, he was so great. And you, like, kicked somebody out of a school, you yeah. heartless... I won't even say. Yeah. I won't even say it. I all right. Did. So we have some other things that we need to talk about <laughs> uh, here today. Um, and we So we have this kind of lightning round of possible topics here. I don't even really know which ones we should talk about. Although this is one that at least everybody can relate to. And I, I'm not sure everybody read this article, but some of us did. And I can summarize it for you anyway. In The New Yorker a week or two ago, Tad Friend, who's a terrific writer, did an article called Silicon Valley's Quest to Live Forever. He wasn't talking about the valley. He was talking about the people who live there. And all these people who work for, bio, who are big magnates at biotech firms and lots of movie stars who kind of hang around with them, are really getting into the possibility. Well, to quote one of them, uh, Martine <laughs> Rothblatt, uh, she's the founder of a biotech firm called United Therapeutics, which intends to grow new organs from people's DNA. Clearly, it is possible through technology to make death optional, she says. She's already commissioned a backup version of her wife, Bina a mind-clone robot named Bina48. I'm not quite sure I know what a mind-clone robot is or that I want (laughs) to. uh, But an Englishman uh, named uh, Aubrey de Grey, who's been on this show to talk about immortality, um, has proposed that if we fix, he's part of this article too, if we fix seven types of physical damage, we will be on the path to living more than 1,000 years, assuming we can avoid getting hit by a bus or an asteroid. Um, And so it's a philosophical question I pose to all of you. Like, Kinky, would you would you want to live a thousand years? Would you want to live five hundred years? Oh no,
2: no, hell no! That's a. Um, I always say that longevity has ruined as many men as it's made, <laughs> and as many women. <laughs> and a great example is Bill Bill Cosby. Yeah. If Cosby would have just That's fallen true. off his perch before all this happened.
4: Yeah, but he was. It's only coming out now. Right. He was still a, a rapist back in the day well, well, when he was youthful.
2: He, he was, and you <laughs> should also keep your eye on uh, on Assad and Bill O'Reilly mm-hmm. to see what happens. Maybe they should step away at the right time, you know? Yeah. and I mean, yeah. if—
3: you know, yeah, well, his point, anyway, is she, he could have died in relative, you know, obscure oh, nominating. But he would have been a hero. Yeah. He would have
2: been an American hero. Right. right. It wouldn't have come out. It of stuff. course, could out. it could be
3: argued that maybe it's good that it, it came out. It wouldn't come out. So it pointed, pointed out to me that I forgot to reintroduce Rebecca Castellani. It's not because I'm blinded. I'm the but, regular person yeah, today. Yeah, I'm just going right. to keep
0: the panel humble here. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. You're, re- you're representing <laughs> the rest of us. Normalcy. The you're you're the only <laughs> one who reads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's does right. To use the person who reads. Yeah, I, the other thing that I thought about. Uh, let me run this idea by you. Let's say that you live for a 500 years, except that you could get hit by a bus or an asteroid. To me, that starts to make. I mean, if you're committed to living 500 right. years, then you start to get much more nervous about, about like,
4: asteroids <laughs> and buses. Yeah, and I've like, actually been hit by
3: a bus. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, and it's not as bad as people say it is. No, so. it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: uh, but yeah, no thanks.
3: Yeah, you don't want to live five hundred years? No. How I, about two hundred years?
4: No. No. I will take the normal human yeah. lifespan. Um I would like not to physically suffer. Right. And I would like to not be a burden to my child. Yeah. Uh especially since she's an only child. Um other than that, yeah, I'm fine.
3: I'm sorry I laughed when you said <laughs> you'd been hit by a bus. <laughs> I laughed too.
4: <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> Yeah. Well, but,
3: um, well, you know, I mean, uh, Woody Allen was uh, asked, I think, by Mike Wallace, um, "Do you want to live on in the memories of your fans?" And he said, "No, I'd like to live on in my apartment." <laughs> um, and and so there's some people I think who never do want to die. But, but when I that thing, that whole idea of like you get sort of protective of the 300 years that you've got or something, and then you don't want to do anything because what if you do get hit by a bus? Yeah, I mean, if that would bother if me. it's
0: 300 years of anxiety, no, thank you. And yeah. if it's if it's 300 years of being you know, in the body of a ninety-year-old, no, thank you. But if I was, you know, going to be in a thirty-year-old body for an extra hundred years, I—I I don't know. Well, maybe you're all naturopathic
3: now. You probably yeah, will Yeah, I feel right?
0: like maybe I will. Who knows?
3: So you, you'd take an extra... Say, I,
0: I wouldn't I, take, like, a 1,000 years or 500 years, but I definitely deal with existential crises on a regular basis and a fear of the unknown after life, so I feel like I'm having a little more time to you know see what the world that? and do Getting things. Getting hit by a bus. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I feel yeah. like maybe that's what I need, <laughs> just to get hit by a bus, and then no
4: all my perspective <laughs> will shift back to the place. Doing yeah. some <laughs>
3: workshops where yeah. you, you, they just like, have the bus hit you and kind of get over that. Colin, you know, yeah. you
2: know the... the um, this state, uh, is the, isn't is it the home of Nathan Hale? It is the yes home of Nathan Hale, yeah. Which I would just think, we have so many heroes in Texas, I mm-hmm. mean, from the now legitimate end. Most states don't have very many, mm-hmm. but Nathan Hale is one, from mm-hmm. what I know of him, um, that would not buy into this crap at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the people that are like this woman are the people that want to seem to be the most spiritually shallow of the bunch. I mean, the people we don't need to be around the ones ones, when Nathan Hale, who was what, 21 years old or however old he he was. What was he? He was a teacher or he was. He he had been a teacher. He had no
3: training in espionage, didn't know how to be a spy, just volunteered for it, Um, died in total obscurity, too. I I mean, nobody knew his name at that time.
2: I'll tell you who did know when Mm -hmm. when Nathan Hale, minutes before he was killed, Mm -hmm. said, um, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country I think the British knew they were sunk yeah, yeah. and because uh, you can't kill guys like that right that's a hero mm-hmm. that's and those kind of guys are ready to go at age 21 regardless right. of James Foley was another one the the, the journalist yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that uh, his dad told him don't go back over there how can you you know you and and he's why do you do this and he said uh, why why does a fireman run into a burning building
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, but then the narcissistic people want to live forever. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, but th-
2: Obama gave him such an uh, eloquent uh, mm. uh, eulogy, and 90 seconds later he was in the golf cart high-fiving uh, the um, Jay-Z or somebody. Yeah. So, not to knock Obama, because he's out now. He's mm. not in. We get it. He's off the hook.
3: Mm-hmm. But, your, but your, the point, hook. your point, Melanie, is the people who give, and his point is the people who give and give of themselves go fast. Nurses, right, right. Be, right. Narcissistic yeah. people but want I, to be. You know. But also
4: my question is if we're we're dealing with some of the the most, you know, brilliant minds in science, you know, we still have juvenile diabetes.
0: Yep. Yeah. Exactly.
4: You know, we, we we still have AIDS, we Cancer. still have cancers, we still have um, public policy issues of how to give everyone access to care, Um is this really, this just seems like, you know, when a movie star does like a silly movie as sort of a passion project, this is, it feels like a really expensive passion project, whereas it, 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 it seems so surreal and so With away from like everyone else's experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What can, uh, uh,
3: All right, we're going to switch topics here in the lightning round. Um, and this is, this is broke today. I didn't give anybody any time to get ready for this. But I have to bring it up because, in fact, uh, somebody that Kinky and I both know is quoted about this. The estranged wife of former Congressman Anthony Weiner has been meeting with literary agents about her new project, which could detail her side of the uh, sexting scandal and her role in Hillary Clinton's run. Um, and uh, of course, it's Huma Abedin. Uh, and it's uh, she has been meeting with literary agents during the past few weeks to discuss a book envisioned as a reflection on how her personal and professional lives collided during the campaign. Uh, I think we all know what that means. Uh, but uh, at least it says one top literary agent. See, Kinky and I have the same literary agent. The difference is that Kinky is productive even though he doesn't even, even though he has a Kinky's typewriter. desperate, that's yeah. all. Uh-huh. Um, I like, have a computer. I can type as many E's as I want, and I still don't get much yeah. done. But um, <laughs> at least one top literary agent said she is definitely not in the Abaddon sweepstakes. No one would have approached me with this book because they know I'm not a Hillary fan. I'm an Obama fan, says ICM partners Esther Newberg. This will be uh, an interesting sale to see who wants to know what Wiener said to her each time he was caught. If she reveals a lot, it turns your stomach. If she doesn't, she puts the publisher in a bad place. It, to me, one of the questions about this, I mean, there are certain marriages where you do want, you, you wonder what people do say to each other, you know? Like, how, I don't know how I could get through a day of that kind of thing right. with another person. So, I don't know, in some ways, like, you, you do want to know this, right? It's, it's one of the basic human questions. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, it's like a, e- even in that film, the Wiener film, mm-hmm. she, was, she played everything so close to the vest. Yeah. And yeah. she always, like, left, and there was always this look. And there was this, at the end of the movie, where she was just, like, taking her vitamins.
0: She had a mask up the whole time. Yeah, was... and j-
4: but there and, and she let it drop for, like, a nanosecond. So she's a fascinating person, yeah. because you're like, and, you know, just, they even look mis- mismatched when you see them together. You know, she's got a sort of glamour to her, and she's very beautiful, and... Um,
3: Although think about what you're saying, because it, it kind of ties back to the thing we were just talking about. Yeah. She's fascinating because she's one of the few reticent people right. left on the public scene. She's one of the few people. Right. I mean, now somehow or other. They, and that's
4: going to get blown yeah. when she writes the book. Right.
3: Somehow or other, she was part of an agreement to do that documentary. So she can't right. be quite that reticent. But, yeah, you know, I mean, in some ways, like knowing things that you really want to know takes all the mystique and glamour. Uh, out universe.
4: of out of that person. I I mean I won't buy the book. I'll, I'll maybe. <laughs> I'll Ed, wait for the many think pieces that will come out. Has <laughs> Esther
2: Lobster Newberg uh, passed on the? Uh, project? Apparently
3: she has. Once she will not touch. I the... I think she's
2: she's very savvy and yeah. uh, lobster. Um, I hadn't uh, done a book in a long time, you know, not that I, I mean, I wasn't really trending, you know, and at the time I was trying to get a book deal. <laughs> but um, but my friend uh, Louis Kemp, who was Bob Dylan's childhood toboggan companion and closest friend, wanted to write this book. So <laughs> Esther got the thing together and it's now coming out in Random House. And uh, it, it's a, it, the most amazing thing is this book. Louis Kemp has these stories like Huck Finn about him and Bob that are so crazy and outrageous and true. And of all the biographies, there have been hundreds of them about Bob. I mean, what the world needs is another Bob Dylan book, I know. But the point is, none of them have any of these stories. Uh, These guys have never met Bob Dylan, these Mm -hmm. biographers, and they keep interviewing the same 250 people who say the same things. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have something really different here, I think. And it's kind of a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer uh, Bob Dylan book, and, but it's it's and nonfiction. Tobog- you left
3: out Toboggan too.
2: Uh, the Toboggan's got to be in
3: there. It's got to be in there when you yeah. describe the book. So, but that's another person who's kind of fundamentally unknowable, right? I mean, yeah. wh- one, yeah. I mean, everybody else sooner or later just vomits up everything that they've ever thought or done or i mean even springsteen you know put out a book this year but it, it, i mean the reason there's a market for a book like that one is because nobody knows anything about Bob. i'm talking to you yeah you're well so i young mean you... the
0: only autobiography i'm aware of bob Dylan has done is chronicles which is right. about as discursive and far from what you would expect out of somebody's autobiography i think he's written
3: too but reading those books is no help at all it's no it you know. makes
0: it more confusing and i think that's part of what's led to Dylan's enduring appeal is that there is this continued mystique. I mean, just look at his behavior right. with the Nobel Prize. People cannot figure this guy out, even, you know, all these years after his his celebrity is kind of, you know, diminished a little bit in the right. public eye. And I feel this way about Huma. I think what her appeal has been is that she is so hard to figure out what's going on in her real head. Like, what is this woman actually thinking? And I feel like a book is going to ruin that. And also, do we care now?
4: Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: is she going to go on to have a... a you know, the
4: the... Quote that comes into my head when I think of Huma is always like Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost when she's like Molly, you in danger, girl. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like run. You feel like you're watching that horror movie. It's like, yeah, no, it's don't in the go down house, the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. would <Well,
2: laughs> well, you guys see her as a victim? Because uh, I think maybe she might be. Yeah. I mean, like the Clintons kind of got her in touch with Anthony. Uh, even I'll even ask you a question. The question: Do you
0: think Hillary Clinton was a victim? No, well of Well, they Bill did set up their relationship. I think it's the right? same thing because I, I read that I they met. I think and that she rejected him she said no 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 and then she was encouraged to go on a date with him by outside forces so i think it's more of a hillary bill oh,
4: i don't I mean, yeah you know who i whose biography i do want to read mm-hmm. is the woman who unseated her husband as governor mm. i want her biography
3: oh you mean the the new governor of alabama yeah. right yeah who was the person who's replacing uh, governor bentley right yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. um yeah, that's an interesting story, too, because um, there's, a, there's a, a personal and local tie-in, which is that when uh, Governor Bentley, who was you know, just impeached for uh, his – well, things having to do with his relationship with a campaign aide named Rebecca Mason – uh, he was defended by a Connecticut lawyer named Ross Garber, and the reason that Ross was called down there is because he 'd handled the John Rowland impeachment up oh, here oh so Ross is sort of the better call Saul of impeachment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're going to get impeached he 's got billboards everywhere you know if you're getting yeah. impeached, uh, you better call Ross. hey Kinky, uh, I think it might be time maybe for another song if you would uh, n- I, l- I love the new version of Kinky the contemplative Jesus in pajamas yeah. meditative.
2: Uh, Okay, this little bit is another one from the uh, the the, Matlock the the Matlock collection. Yeah, Matlock. This is me and my guitar. Met her in a pawn shop. Took her down to the local bar. Held her close to me. Anyone could see. All I am is me and my guitar. People came to listen, some traveled from afar. They stood in line as if to find salvation in that bar. I told myself, there's just two things that got you where you are. All I am is me and my guitar We traveled around this country Though she never had a name Sometimes she was music Sometimes she was fame Ah, but nothing lasts forever Like a steel string played too hard And when it breaks it sometimes takes your suitcase and your star. So I headed back down to the pawn shop, but I never got that far. I held her close to me, anyone could see. All I am is me and my guitar we traveled around this country though she never had a name sometimes she was music sometimes she was fame now i play for all the people dropping dollars in my jar and all i am is me and my guitar All I am is me and my guitar.
3: Kinky Friedman. It's the kinder, gentler Kinky. (laughs) Uh. Well,
2: let's not go that far. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why
3: don't we take a quick break? When we come back here, we might make some recommendations to you. If we have time, we'll slip in one more lightning round topic. We'll just see how things go after this. And Amy Goodman laughed at that joke. Okay, we're coming back right now in the middle of a story. Are you about Amy, Amy Goodman, she's, uh, you know, kinky you know wouldn't know about Democracy Amy Goodman. now.
2: Never Oh, she yeah. was a nice. Never hide over.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I made Amy Goodman laugh last night. The rest of you didn't get to hear the joke that made Amy Goodman laugh, but it was a clean joke, so I could tell it to you. Uh, But we're not going to right now. Right now, we are visiting with our nose panelists today, starting with Rebecca Castellani, scholar of modern literature and entertainment impresario uh, of the glittering lights of Collinsville, where in fact, Kinky Friedman plays tonight and tomorrow night at Bridge Street, uh, Bridge Street Live in Collinsville. Tickets at 41bridgestreet.com. You can get them right now. Kinky's in our studio with us, too. He's also on the nose, and so is Melanie Cantaya, actor, humorist, author of actor, writer, whatever essays on my rise to the top of the bottom of the entertainment industry, uh, and her most recent credits include HBO's *The Night of*, and what was the other one? *Limitless*, right?
1: You were Limitless. *Limitless*. I was on *Limitless*. Yeah. yeah.
3: You said this isn't sealed. <laughs> uh, the it's seal, it's broken. The seal is broken. Yeah. I misquoted you. And she's gonna be Marvels in *The Defender. She can't tell you anything about it. Don't even ask her. <laughs> She'll make you feel bad for asking her. Had to to sign all kinds of things about it. So what we like to do at this part of the show is make some recommendations for people, uh, you know, things people may or may not know about that they might also enjoy. So Rebecca, show them how it's done.
0: All right, I will. Um, I'm going to endorse a couple of artists I've been listening to this week, one I just discovered this week. I am going on my fourth year of being lucky enough to attend the Newport Folk Festival. I always find artists there I haven't heard of before, and they've just started releasing the lineups. So a new one for me is Nancy and Beth. This is brought to you by Megan Mullaly and Stephanie Hunt. And the album actually doesn't come out until April, but you can hear a lot of the singles. Really funky, really cool, bluesy kind of duo thing. Some really satirical, funny songs. I think so. Are they?
3: They are performing as Nancy and Beth. Yes,
0: Nancy and Beth at the Newport Folk Festival. I'm hoping for a Nick Offerman cameo. It would be great. Mm. Um, So that was my one for this year that I'm looking forward to. And from last year, that got me thinking. I really my one of my favorite sets from last year's Newport Folk Festival was Margot Price, who I've since gotten really into. So check out Nancy and Beth and Margot Price if you're listening into something new. And of course. I'm out to see Kinky tonight. Um, right. You can purchase over the phone, too, but give me until 3 so I can get back to Collinsville, and then I can help you over the phone. <laughs>
2: All right, yeah. And we're going to do They Ain't Making Jews Like Jesus anymore well, tonight. You, you pretty it's much good have good to. good Friday. We have to. Have we have to. We're
3: going to yeah, gonna have to do that. So, Melanie, Kittaya, what are you, would you like to do? It doesn't have to be musical. It can be anything. Oh, uh, no.
4: Right? I, um, I'm i going to endorse uh, People of Earth, mm-hmm. which is a TBS show with Wyatt Sinek. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, family, uh, everyone in my family had the stomach flu for New Year's except for me. <laughs> And so I binge-watched it on New Year's Eve, and it was a quirky, weird, thoroughly entertaining show with really a great ensemble cast. Uh, I really like Wyatt Sinek in it. He's very dry and droll, and the premise is ridiculous, and the show is thoroughly entertaining. And in times like these, I think we can all use a little escapist
3: entertainment. All right. Just quickly the premise, quickly the... Um,
4: that people are, in fact, being abducted by aliens. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and oh.
1: and right.
3: yeah. Oh, I want to I watch that, and I, I did love him on, on The Daily Show, so. Uh, Kiki, do you have anything you'd like to recommend to us?
2: Well, I will just say, um, I'm so out of touch with the culture by this time that I, I you know, I don't know anybody that you're talking
1: about, <laughs> you know, which is fine. I mean, it's, you know, um,
2: but I will say this, uh, Jesus loves you can be very comforting words. Mm-hmm. Unless you hear them in a Mexican prison.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Not, not necessarily an endorsement. Okay, so I'm going to endorse a couple of things, and actually, one of them, maybe even uh, there's a, a through line from what he just said. I, uh, every year for the last two years, and now this year, uh, I watch a series called American Crime. It's uh, created by John Ridley, who's a, yeah, yeah, you know about this, and who, first of all, just is a brilliant guy anyway and has been involved with, like, 12 Years a Slave and stuff like that. This, the, and what he does with this series is really interesting. One of the things that he does is he has sort of a repertory group of actors who are mostly back every year. So, and and probably the most important one of those is Felicity Huffman, who's been kind of first of all all, is just an incredible actor, and has been kind of the anchor of all three of these seasons. The seasons have nothing to do with one another. Uh, There's no, you know, overlap from cast to cast. In other words, Felicity Huffman has played three different, completely different roles uh, in each of the three seasons, uh, three utterly different looks. And Ridley just has this gift for creating television that really gets at. Um, stuff that's you know that's troubling in our society right now, but not in a way that's especially preachy. Uh, so I mean, this 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 is not going to sound particularly fun or appealing, but I mean, this series uh, has a lot to do with migrant labor uh, and how uh, immigrant labor is treated. It also has uh, quite a bit to do with sex trafficking and and. and but, you know, it just, I don't know, it doesn't really feel like you're, you're not watching like NCIS or something. You're watching this really, really gritty, interesting, beautifully acted stuff. And Timothy Hutton is another guy who's, I think, been in all three seasons. And they have a bunch of actors who come back again and again, including some Latino actors who've been in, I think, all or most of the seasons. I just, I can't recommend this enough. Every year I watch like the Emmys and the Golden Globes and I think, well, what does an American crime just get all of them? You know, they should just get, he, it should get all of these awards, <laughs> but it doesn't. So anyway, I, I, I endorse it heartily. And then uh, very quickly, and then we might have time to talk about one more thing too. Um, um, our friend Mike Pesca hosts a wonderful podcast called The Gist. You know about that. And he's been on our show a lot and he's a great guy. He made this huge mistake, which is he was away yesterday. He may be away today, too. And he had Alexandra Petrai uh, guest host the show for him. Alexandra Petrai is a young humor writer for the Washington Post. I will never have Alexandra Petri guest host my show because she's really funny. She, I mean, she did such a fabulous job hosting this show before, and I can guarantee you she's never done anything like this. We know Alexandra a little bit, and just go back and listen to it. She has an opening monologue that it, where she talks about uh, Steve Bannon and uh, the meat temperatures at Mar-a-Lago and a whole <laughs> bunch of other stuff. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> and yes. and um, it's she goes from there to a terrific interview, and then she finishes up with. Um, uh, well, she talks about Dr. Dow, the guy on the United Airlines plane, and about the fact that they always sort of dig up something bad about you. You know, so he's right. she's got all this stuff and she kind of does a comparable thing uh, to fit uh, the Good Friday holiday. Like what if they told that story, digging up the worst things that they could find? You know, I don't want to step on any of her, her jokes about this. But she just did such a great job. And for a guest host to come in and do this is A, incredibly impressive, but B, I would never let her guest host this show ever, not in a million years. Um, so um, I do, you know, because we have a composer here, I'm, I'm a composer of songs here, I do want to just quickly, this is something that has kind of bothered me all week. Uh, and. Uh, So, you know, we had this uh, missile strike launched by the president uh, against uh, Syria and, you know, the press kind of fell all over themselves talking about how this is the great thing and this is what really makes him a president. And we could debate all week about whether that was true or not. But there was one thing that kind of bothered me and it was Brian Williams, who I actually defended a little bit in the past. Yeah. Brian Williams, who's watching these missiles go up. And here's what he said go into greater
2: detail, we see these beautiful pictures at night from the decks of these two U.S. Navy vessels in the eastern Mediterranean. I am tempted to quote the great Leonard Cohen. I'm guided by the beauty of our weapons. Um, and they are beautiful pictures of, uh, of fearsome armaments making what is for them a brief flight over to this
3: airfield. What did they hit? What are you convinced? I... I just, I don't know. Did you know Leonard Cohen at all? I yeah. did. Yeah. I just don't think Leonard Cohen would want nope. his words. <laughs> yeah. <out.
1: laughs>
2: no, and, and uh, my friend Ratzo in New York was very close to Leonard, and when Leonard died a few months ago, um, he called me, and he was kind of sobbing, and he said, Kinky, Leonard died. Mm. And I said, Leonard Skinner died? <laughs> <laughs> that was not for everybody. Right. But it's a, <laughs>
3: Um yeah. but I mean so much. I don't know, you knew where I was going with this right away, right? Uh, right. Yeah. I, I,
4: yeah, I found that hor- I found it horrifying actually. Yeah, like um it was just almost it's almost like there's so many things there's so much to unpack here. Cause first of all, you're not doing your job well mm-hmm. as a journalist, where you're so you know, your your fingers so far from the pulse point. Of what is actually happening in the image and, like, how you're describing it and why you're describing these things and, and the aftermath. You, you know, you're just so far away from your job, even. It, I, fa- I found it really disconcerting. You well, know? yeah, there's there's, yeah. there's
3: the disconcertingness of that. But also, it just, I just sort of feel like at the level of art, don't borrow the words of an artist. Oh, first right. Of all, first of all, don't say... I am tempted to quote, and then, and then, quote, and then quote, yeah, right. That <laughs> <part>. semantically irritates <laughs> that me really very much. much. But yeah, I mean,
0: to Leonard Cohen, I mean, Leonard Cohen is is just passed away. Like to not use his words in a way that would have you know jived with what Leonard Cohen was all about offends me. I'm just really not a big Brian Williams person. I really can't separate him from the idea that he's Marnie Michaels' father (laughs) and he he behaves like a a Marnie character. She's
3: a fictional character. So,
0: yeah, I'm not the biggest fan, and I think that that was really of Line Just and inappropriate didn't feel
3: it didn't feel right to, to for me to the yeah, memory of it, Leonard it, Leonard. Does anybody care that, about it at all? Though I
2: don't think they do. I mean, they, uh, anybody besides us. We care. We no care. Yeah. That. We care. Uh, I'll Lily tell you, Kiki. Yes. They
3: start using your lyrics to prove something that My they Facebook never said. I'll be the cared. first. But I'll, I'm going to get. Yeah. I'm going to get right up in their grills about that. All right. So we're going to stop here. We it's been a very exciting day with Melanie Kantaya. We are very excited, even though we don't know why we're excited. We're excited <laughs> that Marvel's <laughs> The Defenders will be streaming this summer. On Netflix, she'll be in at Kinky Friedman's, of course, at the Bridge a Street, uh, live in Collinsville tonight and tomorrow night. And there you will see Rebecca Castellani. And hopefully we'll see her back in the studios again soon. Thanks for tuning in today.
1: Hey, Bob. Farmington. Yeah, 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 yeah.